What's up, everyone? Today is Thursday, February 7th. Um, two days ago was my brother's birthday, so happy birthday, Tim. Big 23. Hope it was a good day, although Syracuse lost that day, so it's kind of wow, rough. Wow. But um, it's quite all right. Today, back with a two-time guest now, um, my friend Dalen Burgess. I'm looking forward to another great conversation with you. And to preface this... Um, he and I just recorded a podcast on his new podcast called The Paradise Perspective. The Paradise Perspective. So um, I highly recommend that if you want to kind of hear my thoughts about psychology and sport and to hear me kind of break things down, which I don't egotistically talk about on my own podcast. <laughs> so if you want to find out a little more there, you can. But Dalen, once again, welcome. I'm excited to have you again. Thanks for having me. Sweet. So there were a few things that I we didn't get to talk about last time, which were deeper into your interest because it was kind of an introduction to you and your kind of more universal perspectives on life and just kind of how you live. And I wanted to kind of dive into the deeper stuff, you know, with, with sports and culture, trends, media, music, that sort of stuff. Um, so first, I really wanted to ask kind of what do you think the role of sports is in terms of culture and trends right now? So what are some things that stick out in your mind when you think about sports and how it influences culture? When I think of sports and how it influences culture and trends, it's like automatically I think about, you know, the top 1% in sports, Mm -hmm. whether it's basketball, we can say Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Russell, Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, you're right. Soccer, everybody knows who Lionel Messi is. Mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. Kylian Mbappe, he's up there. He's a guy that's 20 years old, and yeah. he's getting up and ranked. Destroying and Neymar. So when I think of sports and its influence on culture, I think of like the top-tier athletes sure. that are at the top of their mm-hmm. respective um, sport. Mm-hmm. And they drive the culture. They drive the future. They drive the kids. These kids look up to, you know, these big-time athletes. Yeah. And what they say has a huge impact on them, one, wanting to join the sport, and two, wanting to be like them. Sure. Like, these athletes are role models and borderline idols to the to the younger generation. Not just the younger generation, though. Along with the younger generation, just regular fans in general. But specifically, I want to talk about the younger generation – and they shape the culture of, hey, like, if I'm passionate about soccer, let's say I'm passionate about soccer and I want to become a professional athlete. I'm one of these kids that's looking up to a Neymar, mm-hmm. a Ronaldo. Yeah. I'm thinking, man, I have opportunity to play soccer as, like, an opportunity to, one, better the lifestyle for myself. But not only that, also to make a difference in my family's life and generations to come. I can love what I do and do what I love mm-hmm. in the form of me playing whatever sport that is. In this case, I'll be playing soccer. So I feel like athletes impact the culture in a way that where you want to model it. Sure. The things that sports athletes do, at least from uh, what I've seen, like people that I look up to, like a Kobe Bryant, Russell Westbrook, Messi, stuff like that. You know, they give me hope that, hey, 
even though obviously I'm not on their level to be playing professional sports, that I can sort of do something. I can emulate emulate some of the things they do, for instance, like some of their business deals, how they're not just making money on the field through their contracts. They're businessmen. Sure. They're businesswomen. Like you look at Serena. Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. She's not just like the best woman's athlete. She's probably, she you put her in a conversation as the best athlete in the world. Mm-hmm. With the LeBron James, you know, with a Odell Beckham Jr. or something like that. She's the real deal. And how she handles herself on the field, or on the court, I should say, and how she handles herself in everyday life, you know, that gives me hope. And it's like, hey, you know, she's a role model. She's a positive role model for society, for young females that are coming up that want to play tennis and want to play sport in general. Specifically, she's a minority female. So she, you know, she's really representing you know, African-American woman, yes, you know, mm-hmm. inspiring them that, hey, you know, I see somebody that looks like me on there. Yes, I can strive to be great in whatever I want to do, you know. Obviously, you know, Serena isn't really pressing for people to be tennis players. That's a part of it. Yeah, if you want to be a tennis player, that's cool. But not just Serena, but all of these athletes are, I feel like, are using, well, most of these athletes, the ones I mentioned, are using their platform for good. Mm-hmm. to yeah. you know change the culture of you know i'm just an athlete i'm just going to play my sport play my match or whatever and just leave and just not care about anything else no that's cool um sports is a huge part of your life but there's more to it how you handle yourself is important you know professionalism is huge not just for yourself but you know you want to be known as somebody that handles their business on and off yeah absolutely the respective field so when the more athletes we have that are, you know, doing it by the rules and being professional and inspiring and encouraging younger generations to, you know, be the best that they can be, this culture is going to change because a lot of kids, you know, their way of learning teamwork, learning, you know, how to come up with a goal and with the help of a team reaching that goal, whether that's like the championship game or you know, whatever it is, working with other people. These are life lessons that you can take with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So they're changing the culture of, hey, I don't have to be super egotistic or individualistic in my approach. You know, collectivism is pretty cool. You know, working mm-hmm. together, yeah. being one as being a team is cool. And also learning how to be independent on your own as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how to get it on your own and whatever you want to do. And also knowing how to work with a team. Because yeah. there's going to be times where you want to be Place situations where you can't do things by yourself. Yeah, you can't make it in this life without support mm-hmm. and somebody help you along the way. It's impossible, you know. Yeah. So that's why going back to your question of how sports influence culture, that's what I think is the main key. These these top tier athletes are influencing the pre like the culture of how to be a professional, how to. Handle your business and, you know, do something that you're passionate about. Do what you love and whatever that may be. It could be sports. It could be, you, could be, you want to be an engineer, scientist, whatever it may be. They're making, they're helping these kids realize that, hey, discover your greatness and you can be great as well. And use your platform to inspire the next generation. Yeah. So for you, what has been the, the prime example which, which you've followed that you've, you've seen in sports of, of, of an individual who is an athlete who you looked up to, who you learned things from, and, and from that person, what were the most important lessons that you learned? 
I would definitely say Kobe Bryant. I've been a huge Kobe fan since I knew what basketball was. <laughs> the main thing he preaches, and now his part of his brand, is the Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. So for Christmas, I asked my parents, I really want the Mamba mentality. Kobe Bryant, the Mamba mentality book. I was like, this seems very interesting. I want to know. I want to get into his head. He basically sure. poured his perspective and how he went about being one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But not just that, how he handled everyday situations. You know, what was his mindset like? What are some things? What were some habits? And what were some... Just his habits. What was his habits like? What was his everyday routine? Just learning about his routine that helped him get to where he is which helped him, you know, become one of the greatest basketball players of all time, which helped him get to where he is now off the court. Mm-hmm. Now he is, he's in, um, involved with different brands that's associated with him. You know, he hit the ground running right after he um, retired. Boom. He hit the ground running doing animation stuff, becoming he a storyteller. Yeah. He won a Grammy. No, Emmy. He won an Emmy. Emmy. Yeah. Grammys for music, yeah. yeah. But he won an Emmy. Not a lot of professional athletes can say they won an Emmy. There's yeah. people that's been in a in the game entertainment business that haven't won an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Like, within two years, you win an Emmy. But he knew, you know, with that mama mentality, it doesn't just apply to basketball. It applies to everyday life. Mm-hmm. So he, in this book, The Mama Mentality, he basically teaches you how to have that mentality in everything you do. And one of the things, one of the quotes in that book that I vividly remember, he says... In order, you have to you have to grind in the dark in order to shine in the light. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's how Kobe became Kobe. Mm-hmm. Coming into the league in '96, he didn't start. He came off the bench his first two years. Mm-hmm. He was like a six man, just getting minutes when he could. You know, the veterans were in front of him. You know, you got to earn your stripes. Yeah. But those two years, he mentioned how that helped him. Learning from a point guard like Byron Scott, who was a veteran in the game. Learning from, you know, the other veterans on the team helped him. So when it, when it, when it was his time to shine, he was ready. Mm-hmm. But he was at, this, at the same time, he wasn't waiting for his moment. He was preparing, working hard. He said he went to the gym. He had a crazy, like, gym routine. He used to go to the gym, like, at midnight. Like, from, like, 12 to 4. Then he would, like, sleep, like, take a nap real quick. Take his um, daughters to school, mm-hmm. yeah. drop them off, go back to the gym, work out a little bit. Then he'll have practice, and then that's how he operated. Yeah. And he said he made time for what was important, you know. Mm-hmm. Basketball was obviously super important to him. Family. He was going to sacrifice those two. Those are the two things that make, that define who he is. So he's like, all right, I'll just sacrifice sleep. And that's what he did. He literally would go off for like four or five hours of sleep and get naps in when he can. Because that was how he went about doing business. He was committed, and he didn't let anything stop him. He was mentally sharp in his head to know that this is what I want. I want to become the best player of all time. So he put in the work day in, day out. Mm -hmm. And now you know that Kobe Bryant is one of the best players of all time. So that going back to that quote, you have to grind in the dark in order to shine in the light. I try to keep that part of his mentality with me, you know? In order for me to do the things I want to do when I want to do them, 
I have to do the things I need to do when I need to do them. Sure. And sometimes, you know, I'm going to sacrifice sleep. Sometimes I'm going to skip out on going out yeah, with my friends or something. Your social life. You have to sacrifice social life in order to get to where you need to go. Because, yeah. But at the end of the day, you're going to look back at it when you're standing on top of that mountain and you're achieving, achieving your goals and, and you're where you need to be. Now you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. You put in the time and you're going to reap the benefits from your hard work. Mm-hmm. Your hard work will pay off. So... Kobe Bryant definitely has been a huge influence on me, not just on basketball, but how he thinks, how he operates. And it's cool that he's sharing that wisdom and knowledge with the world. Thank you, Kobe. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, Kobe, all the things that I've heard about him have just been absolutely stunning. Um, I even remember a funny story from jay williams about when he was he was playing in the league he he came in to shoot before a game and and kobe was in there just putting up shots and jay williams was in there for like an hour hour and a half shooting kobe was still there shooting 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 um and jay left and kobe was still going and during the game jay williams went up to him and he was like dude why were you shooting for so long He's like, I saw you come in. I saw you shooting. I needed to go longer than you. I needed to show you that I will outwork you. And that sort of mentality is, it's crazy. Um, it is. And it takes a certain mindset and a certain type of individual to, to be able to do that. Because when you think about that in life, it's probably maladaptive in a lot of situations. Like being that competitive, you ruin friendships. You can ruin all sorts of things oh, in your social sure. life yeah absolutely in the book man he definitely mentioned how he like left the league with four friends or something yeah well <laughs> yeah that's crazy but he definitely was hard on his teammates yeah absolutely he demanded his work ethic he demanded that same work that work ethic to his teammates mm-hmm. that's what made it like people you know they go they go on kobe and criticize him Oh, he was very arrogant. I mean, yeah, he wasn't... He's not perfect. He's flawed in some ways. Sure, like everyone. Like everyone else. But what I admired about him, he wanted not only the best for himself, but he wanted to win so bad. Like, literally, he will do whatever it takes to win. The right way. In the right way. He's not, like, like knocking people out physically <laughs> or, you know... Paying you know, off the Yeah, rest. paying <laughs> off the refs or, like, charging it to the game or nothing. He's just... He's going to push you. Mm-hmm. And... Some people are going to respond to it well. Some people aren't built to, you know, be great. They don't want to be great. Mm-hmm. But he's going to challenge you. And he's going to get on you, stay on your case. And be like, hey, come on. Like, we have a championship to win. What's your, we're here to win championships. This is why I'm on you every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is why I put up thousands of shots every day. Mm-hmm. Sleep for a couple hours. Do it again. This is why... I stay longer than everybody else in the gym, than any other player. That's why I stay up watching hours and hours and hours of film. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a competitive advantage. I'm looking at the person who's going to guard me all night. What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? How can I expose that? Yeah. How can I prevent him from exposing me? If he does expose me, what are some ways I can counter that and still be effective? Mm-hmm. He goes so in-depth into his thinking and just his logic. It's insane because... Mm-hmm. The typical person doesn't really have that. That's why he's in rare air with a Jordan, with a Kobe. Yeah. Well, he is Kobe. I'm sorry, with a Jordan, with like a Magic Johnson. Sure. And if, in life, if we want to be a part of that elite 1% or mm-hmm. just well off, not you have to be in the 1%. If you want to be well off 
and have a better life than what you started off with or create a better life for your family and generations to come, you have to have that drive, that motivation mm-hmm. within. This came from within. It wasn't like, Kobe, Are you? do you want to be great today? Come on, Kobe. You said you wanted to win a championship. No, nah, this came from within. Mm-hmm. And it sort of, read, after reading the book, it helped me realize that, Dalen, what do you want? Like, yeah, you're doing pretty good right now. But you have a whole nother level, buddy, mm-hmm. to, you have a whole nother, you have another mountain to climb. Sure. In order for me to reach my full potential. I'm where I need to be, yes, but I know that I need to continue to learn, continue to stay consistent, continue to grow, continue to push myself. And it's an everyday talk. It's an everyday mindset yeah. with myself. You know, I'm on myself every day. You know, we're, we're not, we're human. We're not perfect. So we go through things. External factors can factor into, you know, motivation. But you know that you're looking at that goal. And if you really want it, you're going to go after it and let nothing stop you. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think that, yeah, in terms of Kobe, I think the way he went about it was certainly something to look up to, especially in in terms of his work ethic. Um, But I personally, from what I'm seeing, it's like there's been this evolution, right, of the Michael Jordan with the insane work ethic and desire to, to grow and be the best and be super competitive. And then you have Kobe, who was like that, but just at such a higher level, and toward the end of his career, starting to incorporate better things into into his playing career. You know, incorporating, you know, better diet, better sleep habits, better recovery, and all of that stuff. And then now we have a guy like LeBron James, who is able to sustain himself, his body, the shape that he's in, and then to do all the things right on and off the court. I mean, he's had the same. Uh, performance coach slash physio who he's been working with since he got into the league who's managed him incredibly and, and he surrounded himself with incredible people and I think that just this progression of transcendent athletes from Michael Jordan to Kobe to LeBron and to whoever is going yeah, to come the next, next big thing. Um, I think it's, it's really interesting and, and to see even where the league is now in terms of the NBA is really interesting for me because I see so many players who could be that sort of transcendent just by how they play on the court. I mean, you see a guy like Giannis, 7'3", 285, Point guard. storming down the court all the time, like just an unstoppable force. And you think, oh, imagine if he can kind of take the elements and, and learn from the guys who are, right. are coming in front of him um, to see, oh, like, what can he do off the court for himself? And even since he's gotten into the league, he's put on, like, 60 pounds of muscle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, five years. Yeah. Yes, I, I've seen that on his Instagram. Stuff. He came yeah. in like a stick. Mm-hmm. Obviously still good because yeah. he's in the league. But that's but mentality, Five right? years. Yeah, and it's being it's willing mentality. to get in the gym, do all the right things every single day over a long, long period Creating of time. Creating that com- competitive edge in True. every aspect. He works on his game every day, you know, physicality he's up there to hang with the big boys to the point where nobody can stop him physically Mm -hmm. he can manhandle opponents and the crazy thing is i don't even think he's nowhere near his prime because he's not at this moment he's he isn't a pure shooter Mm -hmm. he's he's unstoppable he averages like almost 30 a game just from inside the paint Mm -hmm. like he you just can't stop him driving and once Mm -hmm. he involves and gets a jump shot add more facets to his game man 
he might turn into a LeBron or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And then, for instance, now you have Zion Williamson in college yeah. at Duke. 6'7", <laughs> 280. <laughs> he is the second largest. If he was to be in the NBA right now, he'd be the mm-hmm. second biggest dude in the league behind Marjanovic yeah. from the Clippers. <laughs> yeah. Who just got traded to the uh, 76ers, yeah. by the way. He's 7'3", 290. <laughs> but Zion, he's 18, guys. 18, 280. And this dude is, reminds me of Thanos. <laughs> this dude is rock solid. He's built like a Mack truck. And if you guys don't know who Zion Williamson is, he's getting comparisons to a LeBron James, mm-hmm. to his physique, to his game, and stuff like that. So next year, when he enters the league, it's going to be... Amazing to see how he's going to come in and what his immediate impact is going to be. Sure. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting to think about kind of the, the long-term impacts these guys are going to make too. I mean, like, especially in, in, in the era of now, I mean, people have known about Zion Williamson since he was like 14 or 15 years old playing in high school. Like right. That sort of stuff. And I remember watching videos of him slamming and doing windmills and stuff when he was 15 as a soldier. And that's all, he, that's all we knew him you as, know? just slam dunks everywhere. And, and to see that sort of player like evolve over time as a person, I mean, being in the spotlight literally since you're 15 years old, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I guess this might be a, a cool transition to the media and how you think that that plays out in in sport and in society. I mean, the media is so important, and with everything that you study and are really interested in, it kind of all ties in. So what are your thoughts on the role of journalism and the media in in society and even within sport, if, if you want to take it down that route? Yeah, being a sports anchor and reporter for Brief TV and doing comment, uh, commentating for... Game you sports. Mm-hmm. So being involved with the media, what I've seen over the years is the media can be good and bad for athletes. And I say that to say this. The media can be a positive influence for athletes because one, like if you have a good relationship with the media, they're going to treat you well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to treat you well with respect. They're going to make sure that, like, you're basically taken care of. And, for instance, LeBron James. You don't really hear much backlash in the media mm-hmm. about him, sure. you know? Yeah. There is backlash, but a good portion of the stuff that you hear about LeBron, for instance, the media is covering him opening up a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 25 years ago, <clears throat> where would the whole world, the, world, the whole world would not know of a the top tier athlete mm-hmm. opening up school for like or it wouldn't be within the realm of what they would do. Yeah, you know? it wouldn't be in the realm of what they would do. And having that platform, you know, using that platform that he has one as a basketball player, but two, is his resources and being like the best player in the league right now, mm-hmm. him giving back to his community and with the help of the media like documenting that, covering it and spreading the information out. Yeah. That makes him look good. That helps his brand and stuff like that. The flip side of it, there are people with an agenda in the media. Sure. Whether you're a journalist, whether you're a broadcaster, whatever your position is. And there are some people out there, you know, that aren't ethical in their research or in their reporting. Mm-hmm. Where, where their only job is, you know, to find that one thing that... You find the dirt, yeah. To find the dirt and expose them. Yeah. He, 
him or her expose them mm-hmm. uh, athletes and to be honest that's that's bad man and it's a disservice to the journalism journalistic uh people the media in general and to the athlete because most of these athletes are do so much good for their communities mm-hmm. and they don't deserve that because that's their reputation on the line. Sure. That's their brand on the line. Yeah. They could lose millions of dollars. They could get fired from their job. Yeah. If false accusations come out mm-hmm. or a journal a journalist wants to be unethical in the way he goes about doing his job. Yeah. Or it could be a column, like it could be somebody that's writing for a newspaper, something like that too. You know, if you're not going to the actual source mm-hmm. to get the information, you run a higher risk of getting inaccurate information. Sure. Yeah, you can go to, like, their camp, like the athlete's camp. And for the most part, that's a good, legit resources. Mm-hmm. But you will want to, if it's in your, um, it will be in your best interest to find somebody that's very close to him or, to, or her. Yeah. If not that, definitely go to the athlete, one. Mm-hmm. And then find somebody that's close. But you can't just go to anybody to tell your information or business, as athletes know that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so that's why I say the media can have a good impact and a bad impact on athletes. It just all depends on what your agenda is for the athletes and the journal, um, people in the journalism field, and in just media in general. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And even from what I've seen, I think that, yeah, the media has a huge role in how players are portrayed and how people are portrayed and and, and the way in which they're written about, the way in which they're documented, all that stuff. And I think that the era era we're in now allows for players to kind of be their own media outlet, right? And be their own journalistic outlet. So I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think about that kind of? How does that change the role of a journalist or someone who works in the media if players do have so much power to speak from their own platform versus in the past they didn't necessarily have that they only had what everyone else was saying about them social media is huge social media is like the driving force for these athletes to be able to accomplish what they want sure not just as far as athletes but like people in general they can use their platform to create change and to get people to feel the same way as they do Mm -hmm. Athletes and their use of social media is crucial because their extension of their franchise that they work with, they represent themselves, they represent their family, and like I mentioned earlier, they can skip those bad media outlets that are trying to like um, bring them down and just go tweet out the, the legit facts for themselves. They do not go through like that liaison or a third person and tell their stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. Because now they have their own platform to know, hey, this is what it really is. Guys, this is the facts. This is what it is. Don't believe anything else that you see. Because they're putting out the information themselves. Opposed to, you know, 20, 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff was going out through newspapers, the radio, Stuff like that. Yeah, and that was it. And yeah. so I, I say that to say this. It could be good. <laughs> Literally, it's too much. You got too much of social media because you don't want to put all your information out there and they can't get you caught up. For instance, if 
like you're responding back to an angry fan who's just trolling or something. Yeah. Like you suck. Da 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 da. The whole like, Kevin Durant thing. Yeah, you cuss him out. Me. Yeah. yeah, Kevin Durant yesterday. He <laughs> basically just went off on the media. He's yeah, like, that's why I haven't talked to you guys in the past week. Like, I don't trust none of y'all. And that's how you feel. Because he feels like... Feels like he's being attacked all the time. Yeah, he's being attacked all the time. That the the media is out to get him. And start narratives that isn't true. When... If I'm a journalist, I'm saying, hey, Kevin. Like, I'm just here trying to do my job. I'm trying to get information. And what I'm hearing is there's talks that you could potentially go to New York and leave Golden State. Mm -hmm. But, you know, from an athlete standpoint, when you have to face the media all day, every day. Yeah. I can see where Kevin Durant's coming from a little bit. It's more like, I can't trust y'all because I'm going to say something and then you're going to twist my words Mm -hmm. and come up with a completely different story, you know, come up with a crazy lead that has nothing to do with the actual, my actual commentary. Just it's for clickbait, you know, that's what mm-hmm. a lot of media outlets do. Sure. Everybody wants to be the first one to have the article out. Mm-hmm. So they just will say whatever they want. It could be inaccurate. They don't care. They just want people to be the first one out breaking news. Kevin Durant went off on the media. Yeah. Or said something that was his words was misconstrued. Mm-hmm. But I can also see from the media side, it's like, hey man, we're just doing our job. Like, Kevin Durant, this is what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. You want to face the media all day, every day. So they were questioning him, like, yo, where have you been for the past week? <laughs> and that's why I, said, I don't trust any of y'all. I was like, bro, we, we just haven't, you haven't talked to us in the past week. Like, where have you been? We just want to know what's up. Mm-hmm. That's their job is, is to dig deep and to ask those questions, those mm-hmm. hard questions. Sure. Athletes may hate the questions, mm-hmm. but as a journalist, the number one rule is you have to ask those kind of questions. Like, it may seem like a dumb question, but mm-hmm. you have to ask those questions because they have to have it on record. You can't live off an of inference, or I think he was going to say that. But that's when you definitely can get in trouble because yeah. where's your sound bite to back it up? There's no, where's your quote or, you know, yeah. where's your actual facts mm-hmm. to back up what you put in your yeah. post, what mm-hmm. you put in the newspaper article, sure. or what you said on air? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that Kevin Durant situation, that was crazy. But social media definitely gives the athletes a platform to where they can basically voice their opinions on. Political issues, social issues, or just how they're feeling today, and that's cool. Yeah, it's it's been really interesting for me. I mean, I um, I've been kind of following media stuff in in the UK through, um, through everything that I've been following, and something super interesting, which is very similar to that, is um, kind of what Raheem Sterling's going through at Manchester City, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that he's going through with the media. There was one day he posted a side-by-side of Daily Mail articles about players, and one was Phil Foden, a young, promising player, and, and it was an article about how he bought his mama house. I remember that article, yes. And then he, he posted the other article about Tosin Aradibioyo, um, or Aradibayo, and mm-hmm. it was basically the same article about the same thing. He bought his mama house, and he was saying, oh, this young player on only 20,000 pounds a week buys his mom million pound house and then saying how it's like not a smart investment and that he was making poor financial decisions versus his teammate was doing the same thing at the same age and it was crazy and 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 it's it's like how is the media making these decisions and even like 
really trying to push the point on on racism in football and all of that stuff it really is eye-opening and before this sort of time period Raheem Sterling wouldn't have had the opportunity to go out in the media to say these things and mm-hmm. to expose these things as an athlete like another reporter would have had to step up to to go through and, and to write an article about that in their own observations right. versus now an athlete can go out and call out a newspaper and I think that that's good. I think that that's positive. The more open that things can be is the better everyone else is going to be. You know, when an athlete gets called out or gets caught out, then they have to improve and face what has happened. And the same with the newspapers and the media. So I think it's really interesting. And I guess a final wrap-up question, which, which I'm curious about, is what is a story going on in sports right now which you wish more people would know about or you wish had more light on it? Hmm. That's a good question. Story that not a lot of people know about. Or are thinking about, maybe. Or are thinking about. I would say just to continue push force college athletes to get paid hmm yeah I would that's a huge story right now that's I mean it's always going to be around and making a little buzz but I think it's definitely going to start to come back because as time goes on these college institutions and the NCAA are going to make more and more money if you didn't know already like the NCAA makes their money off of like mainly March Madness tournaments yeah like off their TV contract with like yeah, college football CBS, playoff. college football playoff, literally like eighty percent of like uh, NCAA's money comes from like March Madness and like mm-hmm. this college football playoff yeah. kind of deals. And it's gonna come to a point where are these like high recruits, whether it's football, basketball, you name it, to where like they're gonna be like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to the NCAA. I'm going to like play overseas or something like yeah like i'm not going to like quote unquote just work for free mm-hmm. anymore yeah and it's gonna come a time where i think the ncaa is going to have to start paying in some kind of way i don't know what kind of way but they're going to receive like these these college athletes are going to start are going, are going to start to receive money for their services to their school And I would love to see it because these athletes are making so much money for these schools. Like, it's insane. And me personally, I feel like they deserve a portion of that. Yeah. If you're working for somebody and they're basically making all the money off of you and you can't take none of that home, like, how would you feel? Mm-hmm. It's no different than a college athlete, you know? They're bringing in millions of dollars to their athletic programs, to the school in general. And I think they deserve a slice of that pie. Sure. Obviously not, it don't have to be like something super duper big because mm-hmm. they are like college students, just yeah, enough for them students, to have like yeah. enough to pay for their food. Some of these kids are going like, like they're like starving or they can't have like a little bit of pocket change to go out with their mm-hmm. friends, go see a movie or something, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of college yeah. athletes come from impoverished cities mm-hmm. and this is their way out. Yeah. So, obviously, they're forced to go to school, 
and go to college because that's the way to go and, and in hopes of you know once is getting a free education because not everybody wants to play professional athletes i mean play pro and whatever sports, yeah. yeah professional sports so this is their way to get a free education to get that job and whatever they want to make a better life for their family so whether it's for that or they have aspirations to go play professional sports but until then their families, some of their families are still struggling. So why not be able to pocket some of the money that they're making mm-hmm. and be able to provide for themselves and their families? So I don't know the timetable for it, but I, if I had to pick a topic, I definitely think college athletes will get paid soon, hopefully, I pray, because they deserve it. Interesting. No, it's an interesting thought. A lot of people would go up against your point but i'm i'm kind of in the middle but definitely moving like i've definitely been on been on the side of kind of everything that you've been saying like mm-hmm. making billions of dollars off these kids and they just get a free education and a stipend for food and and what like i i, I struggle with that and and even like for me following the european model of academies and stuff like all of these academies are making tons of money and they're pouring them into the athletes justly because they're investments, right? Right. You develop a fantastic player, you can sell him to a fantastic club and make millions of dollars, euros, pounds off of that player. And you can pour that back into more athletes that you want to develop, etc. And you can pour it into more athletes who you want in the first team and stuff. So I think that that model produces a lot less arguments compared to the one that we're having now right. in the US with the NCAA. Yeah, and then we could play devil's advocate. Like, I can definitely see the other side. They're yeah. getting a free education for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, you're yeah. the big man on campus. You're the big man on campus that comes with status. Yeah. Like, you're traveling for free, going to, like, different mm-hmm. cities and yeah. states. Mm-hmm. Um, you get free coaching. Free coaching, tutoring, yeah. free tutoring, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they get a stipend. So I can definitely see the other side. But I just think that we're doing a disservice of not at least giving these kids a portion of what they're bringing to sure. yeah. to the um to their programs, to their schools, to the fan bases around the country too, you know? They're pouring a lot for these fan bases cuz that's what their colleges and these athletic programs are appealing to. Yeah. So yeah, that's my take on that. No, that's fair. Um, for me, if you were to have asked me that question, I'd say um, Derek Rose. Derek Rose. Um, for me, seeing someone who's been through it, right? Like Derek Rose, meteoric rise, became the MVP of the NBA. Youngest MVP. And then that's crazy. His entire knee just ruptures. And to see him try to come back from that multiple times with different teams but now like with the wolves and everything that he's been able to do there he had a 50 point game this year and all sorts of stuff where i was like man if there's anything that's gonna like bring a tear to your eye in sports at this point in time like that was it for me at least understanding kind of the trauma that an athlete can go through thinking that their career is over or they'll never get back to what they used to be and then being able to see someone do that and then even in his post-game interview after that massive game he like couldn't even contain his own emotions understanding like the magnitude of what was happening he got 
pay for the all-star game and all sorts of stuff i think it's it's really heartwarming to see it is players who can come back from such a tough situation and years of rehab you know to to be able to get to the point where you feel confident enough to play the game again and to to be what you were before yeah derrick rose has been through a lot not just physically through his gruesome injury but emotionally he he's been on record talking about the emotional state behind this because like Mm -hmm. you said you know he was the man coming out of high school he went to memphis led them to um ncaa championship game yeah top pick in a draft playing for his hometown team of chicago that comes with a different kind of pressure there's actually a derrick rose documentary that's coming out about his whole story really in april yes wow and I've seen a commercial for it. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, some of the people that was in the commercial were saying playing in his hometown was probably one of the worst things that could have happened to him. Because mm-hmm. think about it, that's just pressure times, like three. Yeah. Just, you're a man, you're already supposed to put on for your city. Now you're playing for your hometown team. Pressure from like friends, family, you know, yeah. hey, you know, let me get to the game, let me get to the game, or you got to do this, you got to do that. Yeah. Endorsement deals. I mean, first couple of years, dude, you saw his, you saw his athleticism. Dude can jump out the gym. He can shoot. He was the best, the best point guard in the league. Yeah. Literally, true. he was like Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook was <laughs> Russell Westbrook. That's true. And youngest player to win MVP ever. You know, taking his team to the playoffs. And then, like, in garbage time in the fourth quarter, his whole life just turns upside down. Yeah. And it's like, boom. It's just like that. Then he stays injured. Then he's dealing with emotional stuff, like personal stuff in his life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just fighting through it. He took, like, leave leave of absences a couple times from his teams. And it, it was just like he was going through a lot, man. And for him, you know, he seems like he's on solid ground now. Yeah. With the with the wolves, that fifty point game, I was rooting for him. I felt like, like that was my own brother right there. Because yeah. mm-hmm. you just, it's kind of hard to go against an underdog. You just always want to root for an underdog and a comeback story like that. Yeah, you see somebody you fighting, see somebody fighting, and not giving up. Yeah, even though there were times where he probably wanted to, or times where, you know, he's like, I don't think I have it anymore. Like basketball, this is it's over. Yeah, but he's fighting through his injuries, fighting through. Uh, adversity and persevered to get to where he is now just to still continue to play at a high level we all know he's not gonna get back to that 2011 mvp rose that's crazy that's talking about the that's yeah, yeah that's that's far and gone and he knows that mm-hmm. but to still put on a show the way he does and go out there you know it seems like he's having more fun than he normally did in recent years and i'm just happy for the guy like yeah, absolutely i know his family's happy you know and I just hope it continues to get better for him and turn out to be a pretty solid career at the end, whenever yeah, that is. Yeah, I think it's it's a fantastic story of, you know, that typical adversity struggle, pushing through something challenging and then to be able to come out well on the other side after the struggle and after all of the, the days and weeks and months of just pushing through things that are challenging. I think it's it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a good point to wrap up and and even you know to think about you know when you see people do well, we should cheer for them. You know we should push them and say like this is great. Like, keep doing well and to to be happy for others when they're doing well too because we can oftentimes get into a world the mindset of you know 
we may only think that we should do well uh, when in reality there's enough room for everyone you know yeah. so thanks again for coming on man I appreciate it you're such a cool voice and a cool mind to listen to and to talk through different things and I know you like sports a lot so this was a lot of fun for me to kind of hear you talk through some stuff that you're really interested in so thanks again for coming on and thanks for for being a good dude thank you man thanks for having me on your show and good luck with your podcast thanks man i appreciate it and for everyone who missed the message at the beginning go check out the paradise perspective dalen's podcast it's gonna be great and all sorts of fun stuff is gonna come out of there so go ahead and check that out too thank you cheers guys much love talk soon